Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the Your Forest Podcast. I'm Matthew Kristoff, and uh, I decided I wanted to talk about women in forestry. And I brought in Bev Wilson. She's a senior resource analyst for the government of Alberta, and she's got, I think she said, nearly four decades of experience in the uh, in the forest industry. So, so she's got a lot of experience. She's seen a she's seen a great amount of change in the forest industry and a lot of it for the better and i want to bring her in and talk about her experience uh kind of from going to school all the way up until getting a job and specifically as a woman in the forest industry and and in an industry that's was in the past not so much anymore but in the past it was typically a male-dominated industry nowadays I think it's it's getting a lot more closer to to a fifty fifty split as far as graduates from the tech programs and the university program, and I, th- I I don't think there's the discrimination that there was in the past, but I can't speak to that. I'm not a woman, but I'm hoping to have somebody else on in the in the future here, somebody from the newer generation that can speak to the current state of things and how things have changed. Um, yeah, it was really eye opening experience uh, talking to Bev about kind of her her experience at the beginning when she when she first got into it. Definitely, definitely some interesting stories that we, we spoke off air about. But uh, yeah, it, overall, overall, I think it was really positive, and that we've got come a long way in, in, in allowing not allowing that's a horrible way to put it. <laughs> come a long way in making sure that equality is there and that and that people aren't. People aren't discriminated against based off of any kind of factors that don't matter. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. So while we were talking, there was uh, a few acronyms that came up that I, at the time, I didn't uh, explain very well. Unfortunately, I just kind of wasn't paying attention, I guess. Uh, So uh, one thing was GIS. That's Geographic Information Systems. That's just a, a system that allows us to visualize data in kind of like looking at a map, okay? And then uh, also derived ecocyte phase. So that is just, we're using measurements of how moist the ground is and how much nutrients are in the ground to determine what kind of vegetation is going to be on it. And then traditional use plants is something that I mentioned, and that is uh, the use of uh, plants by Aboriginal communities. And then CIF is the Canadian Institute of Forestry. As for sponsors, we have Greenlink Forestry doing resource inventory analysis. And then we also have the Forest Resource Improvement Association of Alberta. They are also a supporter of the podcast. And there's also Damaged Timber. Damaged Timber is an apparel company out of Edmonton, Alberta. They are, they create, he's making shirts and hats and toques and he's getting sweaters coming up soon and stickers and all kinds of stuff. And he's always increasing his inventories, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, uh, yeah, their main thing is they want to provide some something back to the environmental sciences community. So they're going to take a create a scholarship, take ten percent of all their revenue, all their profit, and put it into a scholarship for people going to environmental sciences. So if you guys want to buy some shirts or hats or toques, they're really really nice, really good quality hats. One of my favorite hats is there, and uh, the shirts are nice. They're more of an athletic fit. So if you're not into athletic fit. Uh, they're they're kind of come out with some stuff I think later in the year that's that's got more normal cotton t-shirt size stuff, um, but yeah you can go to their website damagetimber.com, and if you put in the code yourforest10 at checkout you'll get ten percent off any and all additional sales. Anyways, um, moving on. So uh, 
yeah, I think you guys are really going to like this this episode with Bev. She's got a lot of experience, and it, it was really, really good. So uh, without any further ado, here is Bev and I. Yeah, also, so I, let's just start off talking about uh, like how you got into forestry. Well, um, I don't know if you know, I grew up in southeastern Alberta where there are no trees. I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> And so, uh, but I've been involved in Girl Guides most of my life. Oh, okay. And so I, that was where I got my love of the outdoors was in guiding. And mm-hmm. I used to spend all my summers going to camp and, and that sort of thing. And so I thought that I would like to try maybe being a park ranger. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I went to a career fair and they had the forestry program from Nate there. And I thought, oh my goodness, like the first month is going to camp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How perfect. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Eh? <laughs> and so... So then when I uh, started at Nate, they still had the two different programs. Like you could take a forest technology mm-hmm. or a um, wildlife and recreation. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, I would go into the wildlife and recreation side of it type of thing. But as it turned out in first year, I got really interested in forestry. And, and so I I went that way. And nice. so I graduated from Nate in 1979. I think maybe... Were the third or fourth class that had women? Oh, really? It? Yes. Just out of like, just like luck that no women had applied, or was there like a, a <laughs> restriction? <laughs> just hard to say. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, there is six women in, in my class, and I think of about fifty-two, and three of us are still in forestry. Okay. Yep. Actually, not really. Some of them kind, really. of, kind of branched off and uh, were obscure adja- parts of, for- of forestry, right? Forestry adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I spent a couple of years working on timber management crews mm-hmm. where I bet your mom. Yeah. And then in 1981, um, I was, was actually the party chief for the timber management crew in White Court. And... The 33rd forest officer position I applied for, I finally got. 33rd? 33rd. Actually. Actually. Wow. <laughs> that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely not the norm, I don't think, for <laughs> applying for jobs in forestry. Generally, it's like the first or second one, right? That's Well, what was sort of interesting about that, too, at the time, they had what they call the forest officer eligible list. Okay. So you had to go for this interview first to be mm. put on a list, and then you could apply for forest officer jobs. So so I guess the first interview was just to check your credentials and make sure that you were like you had the that you the ability to do it. Yeah. But yeah. Then that, that's just a normal interview, so I don't understand. Well, but anyways. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I said, so they had this eligible list and I knew that I had finished third on the eligible list. Right. And yet it took me thirty three tries to get a forest officer position. And part of it was is that I wanted to be a district forest officer. I didn't want to work in forest headquarters. Oh, okay. And I had worked, um, in the winter, they split up the timber management crew into different districts, right, um, to do work. And so I had worked in uh, Fort Assiniboine and Swan Hills mm-hmm. in the winter. And uh, then I went back to White Court as the party chief for the timber management crew. And then a job came open in Fort Assiniboine, and I got it because, obviously, it had a lot to do with the fact that they knew me. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with Ken Porter, okay. who I consider one of my mentors. Oh, okay. Yep. He and was, Ken Porter is the... He was the chief ranger there. Okay. Actually, at the time, Kelly O'Shea was the chief ranger, and Ken was the FO3. And then when Kelly left, Ken became the chief ranger. Gotcha. And... How did you know him? Well, because I'd worked there during the winter type of thing. Oh, I see. Okay. And okay. They, 
they were the only district that was willing to take a woman. <laughs> yeah, that's... So that was that that was in 79 you said you graduated. Yeah, so this would be 1980. Okay. Yeah, okay. or 81. Yeah, 1980. So then in June of 1981 I went to work in Fort Assiniboine as mm-hmm. a district ranger. Yeah. And um I don't imagine anybody actually said that, you know, said that because you're a woman like oh, well, no like, no. No, that's 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 hidden. They don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> and so um and so there's a uh, three three of us who became uh, women district forest rangers about the same time oh, okay. in June. So we were the first. Not in the same... Not in, in the same district, no. Yeah, right. One in Turner Valley and one in Smith. Okay. okay. And, and me. Was that uh, like was that a good cross-section of, of women that were like applying for? Or were there a lot of women that were just being turned away, do you think? Uh, like and not really ever getting into it. Well, I think... Uh, I mean... In in those days, you had to be pretty stubborn and persistent, right, to stick it out, right? Yeah, yeah. no, I could see that for sure. You gotta you gotta prove yourself somehow, yeah, or whatever, right? And yeah. you know, and, and the lifestyle was probably not conducive, you know, to have being married and having a family for a woman, right? Yeah, that's, and yeah. you know, you're living in places like Fort Assiniboine. Mm-hmm. Population, <laughs> population 198. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, like I said, it wasn't that conducive to it. So, you know, I don't know how many women were trying to be forest officers or, I mean, there was probably some and mm-hmm. they didn't stick it out. Right. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it, I imagine it would be, it, it would be tough. I mean, especially back then, they're like, like you said, you were kind of paving the way for, yeah. for, for the acceptance of women in forestry, yeah. right? So. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's an interesting. Yeah, I, I can't I can't even imagine the, the trials and tribulations you had to go through to get to where you are today, right? So, um, did you find there was any? Uh, did you find when you got like say when you were in school, did you find you had uh, a different or unique perspective on on forest management in relation to like your male counterparts? Um. I wouldn't say that, especially not at technical school, because when you go to technical school, you're taught to do things Mm -hmm. and not so much think about it, which is, you know, I I was a forest officer for five years and then I decided to go to university. So then I went to U of A and I mean, that was one thing that about university is that it was like light bulbs popping off all the time because um, professors would be talking about something and I'd say, you know, that I had observed that in yeah. the field, but I didn't know why. How to put and, it to words. Yeah. yeah. Or just even why. Like right. the reason, because like I said, when you're just doing work, you yeah. know, you're not really thinking about it. But that's what university did for me was to give me that opportunity to think about it. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, as a forest technologist and going to university, you have a different perspective on things right for because sure. a lot of it's because you already have experience and stuff too so about a third of my university class were technologists and i think we sort of hung around together and stuck together and worked on projects and stuff together well for for one thing most of us were older okay yeah you know yeah. i yeah. was i was 28 when i went to university and so yeah. i didn't have a lot in common with my 18 year old coat oh really yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow so weird yeah <laughs> so so I think I had a different perspective on that, but I don't, I don't know if being a woman gives me a different perspective on forest management or not. I think, um, and in particular, because I'd always been good at math. Okay. And of course, going to university sort of introduced me to computers. Mm-hmm. And plus I took my first GIS course there. Okay. So that's really where I found 
um, my passion. Right. You know, for forestry was through uh, computers and and GIS. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. I was reading something today when I was kind of doing some research on this subject, and there was a, there were some studies done in the late '90s suggesting that women had a more holistic approach, more comprehensive approach to to understanding forests and their relations in relation to men. Um, and I'm not sure how true that is or not, but it was it was it was done in the late '90s. But they're 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 pointing out that that women are able to they, they might have been might have been thinking about the whole system, like the multiple use values, whereas the the men, not that they weren't incapable or anything, but they're just because of the schooling or the way that it was, they were thinking about timber value. And that was mm-hmm. kind of maybe it. And, but yeah, it was, an, it was an interesting article anyways. I wasn't really yeah sure where to go with that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't say I've noticed that. I guess maybe what I have noticed in, in some of the work that I've done, the last couple of years on the land use framework plans mm-hmm. is there's no doubt in my ma- mind that um, foresters are the best at landscape level planning mm-hmm. because we've always had to take other values into consideration. Yeah. Whereas many other disciplines have not. Yeah. And so we're much better at that sort of looking at the landscape level yep. and bringing, like I said, other values and everything that, you know, sort of comes into play right. together. So I, like I said, I, I think Forrester is pretty good at that. I would agree. Yeah, I would totally, I would totally agree. Cause yeah, you go to school and you're learning about like hydrological values and you're learning about conservation values and you're learning about soil and you're learning about vegetation and the trees and the, it just keeps going on and on and on. And it's just, yeah, it's this whole giant picture and like you could study your entire life and never completely understand everything that's going on right exactly so, exactly no, i totally agree yeah it's it, it's fascinating the amount of uh yeah the amount of detail that goes into understanding that whole situ- that whole system right well and I, I think a lot of it too is because we're um we're very sort of spatially referenced mm-hmm. you know and can see i don't know I guess when you have to use maps to find your way or GPS now to find your way, you know, it becomes really important, yeah. your location on <laughs> on the face of the earth, right? Yeah. And a lot of other disciplines are just coming into that now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the use of GIS in forestry is ubiquitous. It's yeah. everywhere. It's just an expectation, right? right. So, for example, um, going to an ESRI conference uh, 30 years ago when you go to the poster session and all you would see would be posters about natural resource management. Yeah. But if you go now, yeah. you, you see posters about everything. Like right. So many disciplines are embracing the use of spatial data, but like I said, in forestry, we're quite advanced when it comes to that because we've been using it for quite a long time. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Like when, when did we start bringing in uh, aerial photography? Do you remember that? Well, like the, a... the first forest inventory in Alberta yeah. was right. done with using aerial, aerial photography for ni- between 1949 and 1951. 49, right. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. So, it's been, yeah, been a good long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly 70 years. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely something. I mean, with, with us, it's specifically required to, to have exact spatial data on cup block mm-hmm. sizes and where things are in relation to rivers and, and, and nests, if you have them or whatever. Right. So, no, it makes, it makes total sense. Um, so, so you got in. So, did, when you when you were in university, did you take? Uh, you said it was in Nate that you got the hankering for GIS, or in university? No, in university. In university. Yeah. Okay. So, did you go? Did 
Did you take anything extra besides just the... the... Well, they only had one GIS course at, oh, okay. U, at U of A at so that, that time. <laughs> so that was it type of thing. And yeah. actually... And actually, it was it was kind of tough because it was in, in the combined computer science geography department. Oh, okay. And so you had to actually do programming. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just lucky that I had a friend who was doing his PhD in, in process control engineering <laughs> that gave me a hand with some of my programming. Yeah, it's not my jam either. Although I'm sure there's a six-year-old out there today who could tell, tell you a million things about it. Yeah. yeah. It's become the new norm. I think like, like, like my children are going to have to learn coding as like a oh, yeah. four-year-old's and be blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm sure I'll be that yeah. old dude and have no idea what my kids yeah. are doing. <laughs> so then after university, I went to work for a consulting company. And um, I was the only person in my graduating class who had a full-time job when I left. Really? <laughs> when I graduated and in 1989. And so this consulting company wanted to start using um, GIS right. technology. And so really, you know, got my start there. Mm. And I was there for three years. And then I went... Um, uh, back to government and basically have been doing yeah gis and data stuff ever since then <laughs> yeah that's awesome um so did you find um did you find yourself having to uh like we spoke about this just a little bit but did you find yourself having to prove yourself more than your male counterparts kind of you know put yourself in more risky situations or persevere more or something like that Yes. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So when I was a forest officer, uh, one of my friends gave me a poster that said uh, to, something to the effect that uh, women have to be five times better than their male counterparts. And yeah. then luckily that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing this is a female friend that sent it to you. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, no, y- you know, you do. Like in every sort of situation, you had to prove yourself. And that's, I, I think... Um, you know, you'll find a lot of uh, women in forestry of my generation mm-hmm. are overachievers. Okay. Right? And a lot of them are CIF gold medal winners and, like I said, sort of constant overachievers. Meaning their grades were the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had top grades and, and, and basically, you know, you had to. Right. To finish. Just to get the respect? Uh, just or? to, well, to prove that you could actually do the work, right? Right. That, um... And, you know, a lot of it wasn't overt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of it, at the same time, it did get seen to be tiring at times to have to constantly prove yourself, yep. you know? I I know, uh, well, especially when I was a forest officer, you know, going out to fires. Oh, yeah. That was a... I... <laughs> seen as a very macho, well, manly it thing. It is, and, yeah. and, but it was like... You know, you because you work with a different group of people every time you went out to a fire, then you know, you're having to yeah. prove yourself again and again. Reestablish. And it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, and you know, and and you don't think that that was true for for uh, for men that were were going doing the same thing, jumping from crew to crew. You don't think they had to prove themselves the same? Hey, no, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so either. It's just. Unfortunately, it's just a, it's just the truth of the time, right? Yeah. It just it just was, and I I hope that's not the truth now, but it, well, I don't really know. So, yeah, it's it's hard for me to sort of judge that mm-hmm. now because I I imagine young women have a totally different experience than I do than mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. But I still, I mean, I still go to many many meetings where I'm the only woman there. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I could see that. I think so. most of the time you've come to Greenlink, you're usually the only woman in a room of eight or nine <laughs> men. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I, I never did. I, I tried finding statistics on um, women in forestry and, 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 and what the proportions were. And I couldn't really find anything super valid. But I mean, I have a weird cross section because like both my mother and my sister <laughs> are in forestry. And then uh, my graduating class, there were seven of us and there was uh, three women. There were only seven of us though. So I don't yeah. know. What, and like, it seems like there's more and more women getting into it. So there I think is, it, seem, yes. it seems to be coming more inclusive yeah. and, and, and less uh, judgmental. Or yeah. Well, it, it, I think it's seen as a, um, you know, something that, that women do as opposed to in the past was wasn't yeah i mean i yeah. i know i was told when even when i was graduating or after i graduated high school and i said i was going to forestry school people you know people said well you'll never be able to do it which of course is the wrong thing to say yeah. to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the right thing that drives you to do it yeah exactly it depends on what your if you is. if you think that you're going to stop me from doing something then you have another thing coming mm-hmm. but it it um yeah like i said i i imagine you know younger women have a different experience and I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I always remember <laughs> Jim Beck saying to me when he was the head of the forestry program, he says, you know, you've reached true equality when a woman graduates with a 5.5 <laughs> out of nine, right? Yeah. Like a totally average student. Because right. before that, the women were always above average. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that I guess that that might hold true. <laughs> you start getting women just barely squeaking by, then you know you've reached equality. Until then, yeah. No, I can be. Yeah. So off, I off always the, thought it was an interesting observation on his part, if texting, nothing else. Yeah, I'll have to start asking my like my sister and my other like women friends in forestry what their grades were. <laughs> Figure out if we're there or not. Yeah. The um, so when I was in university, um, you know, in the forest policy class everyone had to make a presentation on some topic and i know uh one of my friends did one on women in forestry oh really yeah Back and then, then, wow. yeah so this would have been like 1988 and i know at that time like two percent of the women or two percent of foresters in canada were women okay and about five percent were in university oh, okay five percent of the two percent no five percent of the students were women students uh-huh but only two percent of the practicing foresters were women. Oh, I see. So. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, I imagine it's gotta be, yeah, just a taxing experience to constantly be like moving around and, and trying to prove yourself all the time. Right. Like, whereas I think men, we've been, we've been privileged enough to just, once we've proven ourselves, we're kind of, we're kind of in. Right. So it's, yeah, I can't imagine that experience. <laughs> no, it's gotta be wild. Absolutely. Like, so, so you mentioned earlier, you were talking about, uh, uh, this career being con- like maybe not being conducive with having children, right? So what was your, uh, you have children, right? Yes. Yes. So what was your experience with that? How did, how did that go down well, for you? Well, I, I think uh, if I think about the, so the, the women foresters may be a generation or, you know, 10 years older than me. Yep. Uh, very few of them were married. Who Like if they had a career, they were not married and they didn't have, ch- or they didn't have children. Right. If they were married. Mm-hmm. And so, so then, like, I think my generation, um, yeah, we started, you know, we got married, we had kids. Leaving normal lives, yeah. Yeah, but probably foregoing um, some career aspirations yeah. to do so. I imagine there's just some, there's some, uh, 
resistance there in in, in in managerial minds of being like well i can't depend on this person because they might get pregnant or something and it's and, and unfortunately that's that was the case and i hope that's something that people don't they're not considering that now but it's uh, yeah it's it certainly i think it was i've i mean i've heard it it was a consideration in the past yeah and and the fact is is that we all know as much as we'd like to think that our marriages are equal women still assume the majority of of uh Effort for childcare, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, and so it, you know, it does take away from your work, and you know, in forestry sometimes too, it means if you're at you know the stage where you're still doing field work and that sort of thing, that mm-hmm. or going out on fires, it certainly puts a crimp in that lifestyle. Yeah, big time. So, so uh, how long did you take time off work? Besides, uh, like, did you take six months? Did you take a few years? Did you? What did you do? No, I just took six months because that's what maturity was. Just then. six months, eh? six months, and then back yeah. to it. Back to so, it. how did you find coming back after having children? Was there did people treat you differently, or was there, or, or was it just you're back to it, and it was yeah. okay? Bev's back. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think so. I mean, I had children quite late in life, and so I had an established career. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing. When I got married, I didn't change my name, right? Because I was. I had an established identity, right? Yeah. And I couldn't imagine just, you know, changing yep. my name and being some Someone somebody else. else. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think, you know, when that happens, you know, like I said, you already sort of established yourself in your career. So it's a little bit different than if someone were, say, in their 20s. Well, that's what I was thinking. I wonder how it would be for somebody who's maybe, who's just getting into forestry, right? So they're in their 20s and then they have a kid, maybe they're a year into their career, they have they have, they have a kid. I wonder how that affects their their development, right? And I'm, I'm sure it must hinder it because you, you take a year off and then you have to get back into it again, right? So yeah, I can't imagine that like, the, and not just that, but even just your mindset would change, right? So like you, you don't want to be doing 12, 14, 16, 18 hour shifts. Like you want to go home, your kids are home, right? And yes. I imagine it's the same for men. They have the same the same drive to want to be with their kids. But I think, especially back then, it was expected that the women would be there, right? So yes. Yeah, unfortunately. So different expectations. But, uh, and, you know, hopefully that changes. And I, I do see it with um, like the young men that I work with. They're way more involved with their families mm-hmm. than. yeah. I think I think uh, times people in general my generation, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think in general we've gotten a lot better at, at social values, and there's still a long ways to go for a lot of different things. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think in general I w- I'm pretty happy with when I look at forestry now, like in, in all the past uh, university and even the, in, in, in the tech classes, like they come in here uh, every once in a while, and there seems to be there still is more men than women, but there seems to be it's a, it's much closer. It's maybe sixty forty or seventy thirty is what I see in. Uh, as far as students yes. are concerned, right? Yes. As far as, and even even in the, I don't know. I wish I could find the stats on the workforce and how many there actually are in relation, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, unfortunately, it's not available. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I I can't, uh, you know, I can't speak to that because no. I said I have no idea. Although yeah. there, you know, a lot of the um, younger women are sort of a lot of the younger foresters are women, mm-hmm. and in particular, I think in government, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I know uh, like my sister works up in, in northern Alberta, and I think she works with uh, uh, two other y- younger women like her age, graduated close to her time, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely – I think it's a, it's much more accepting now and a lot less bigotry, I suppose, right? So um, so moving on, I guess we can start talking. I wanted to ask you about 
just your thoughts on in, in forestry in general like what are some of your biggest concerns about forestry right now where do you think like are some of the issues that we need to be keeping an eye on any, any specific issues that you think well obviously caribou caribou yeah that's a you huge know, one it is a mountain pine beetle mm-hmm. you know these things i guess what you consider threats to the forest right um Unusual I, threats, yeah. yeah. unusual threats. And I think, I mean, I, I've always sort of concentrated on making sure that we have the best data possible mm-hmm. to help us make these decisions. Like yeah. I said, that's where I think, that's where my passion for GIS, te- using GIS technology in forest management comes in is that, you know, we have all, we can have all this really good information yeah. and then we can make really informed decisions. Yeah. And that's what I... Uh, you know, it's it's about the facts, and anytime you can um, use empirical data mm-hmm. to um, forward an argument, yep, about one way or the other, or to you know demonstrate that no, this is the way, yeah, it really is. Slap the numbers on the table and go, look, I got it right here. That's what you do. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it helps. Yeah, and so like I said. You know, right now, that's sort of where my focus is, is on making sure that we have the best possible information Mm -hmm. so that we can make informed decisions. Right. Or we can, uh, I guess, give the people who make the decisions the best possible information so that they can, like I said, they can have all the information that they need to make the decision. Yeah. And the technology keeps getting better and we keep being able to provide better and better information, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's all about, you know... I mean, as as you know, it's all about trying to find out ways to use information in a different way. So, I mean, LIDAR being the perfect example, right? Mm-hmm. So we have all this LIDAR data. What what other uses can we put it to for which we were, it was originally intended or, you know, what we originally thought we were going to do with it? And, yeah. And things just keep changing, changing, changing. It's, I mean, it's actually a really exciting time to be in forest inventory. Yeah. Because all across the country, there's this sort of movement to you know, what's next? What's, mm-hmm. what's the next big thing? Yep. What, what can we do for enhancements to our forest inventory and, yep. you know, and the, and the data we collect and yep. that sort of thing. And then how can we manipulate that data to um, give us more information? Mm-hmm. So like the uh, derived ecosite phase data set that we've created, I'm really, really proud of it because I think it's quite good. Yeah. And it's a, takes you to a whole nother level of not thinking of just about the trees yeah which is what forest inventory is all about right yeah. it's all about the trees yeah this is all about actual site and lesser vegetation mm-hmm. and what that can contribute in uh, forest management as it, well oh it's huge i mean uh I'm, I'm trying to find somebody to speak to uh like traditional use plants and mm-hmm. and kind of and i'd be curious to see if there's a if there's a push to create a use forest inventory and the eco sites involved, so the nutrient regime and the moisture regime and the way that's related to determine as well as the AV, like the, the, the vegetation calls. So the, the, the tree calls, um, in order to write up a probable probability of finding a certain plant in a certain area. Yes, you were working on it. Right. And I, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a company in uh, Slate Lake mm-hmm. and they're working with first nations Oh, awesome! On and using derived ecocide phase to yeah. try and um, look for things like, like I said, because it points to the lesser vegetation, mm-hmm. to look at things like abundance, oh, okay. and distribution across right. the landscape. That's awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a so, super interesting one that I want to try and have somebody on that like I don't nothing about traditional use plants whatsoever because I'm <laughs> that's not my, that's not my jam. But well, I'll, I'll, I can give you a name if you need one. Yeah, I need a name. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm always looking for that kind of stuff because yeah, that's a really interesting one that I think has been up until this point it's kind of been overlooked, right? Like it's well, been, it, I I think what I what I see a lot of times is that. Um, people maybe lack the imagination to think about how data can be used. Yeah. And I actually think that quite often that's what I bring to the table. Right. This is, and, and I, I always think about our group as uh, what we do is solve problems, right? Yeah. Someone comes to us with a problem Yeah. and we try and solve it. Mm-hmm. And so it's then about being creative about the way that you can solve these problems. Now, so luckily in, in my group, I have two GIS developers. Helps. Yes. And so, you know, they're the, they're the people who, who do the actual work. I bring the ideas to the table and say, you know, we should be able to do this. So, you know, can you write a program to do this or, you know, those, those sorts of things. Right. But like I said, I think a lot of people kind of lack the imagination, but if you, um, listen to people and, you know, hear what they have to say and and what problem it is that they're trying to solve, Mm -hmm. then, my job is to try and figure out how can we solve this problem, yeah. right? And what creative ways can we we do this? And so, like I said, we're always looking for uh, ways to use data that it was probably never intended to be used as as well, right? Right. Try and how can we tease some of this stuff out? And yeah, and and like I said, it's really sort of exciting because there's a lot of work going on in forest inventory and. Um, Quite a lot of it is sort of geared towards more the operational side, so it's you know increasing the number of of attributes that you can extract, like forestry metrics, like basal area and stems per hectare, and all that kind of stuff. Tree size, piece size. Mm-hmm. All about trees. That's all about yeah. the trees type of thing. Yeah. But like I said, there's there's also excuse me this other side of it where you can look at maybe in a more holistic way mm-hmm. as what the forest can contribute mm-hmm. uh, besides just this value as a as a you know a resource a renewable resource yeah well yeah, the <laughs> renewable resource yeah yeah one of the only ones yeah no I, I keep i keep saying that all the time it's one of the only truly renewable like building broad building materials that we we have right i don't know what else there is i mean you can't build with water you can't build with animals so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um i think that um as more people get into this sort of whole spatial world too, like people from outside, it's just like, you know, seeing Google maps and then we can create, um, you know, data sets that they can put on top of Google maps. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. they don't even have to have the, the data themselves type of thing. We can create this thing and put it, use your own computers. Or this is one of the things where I think um, ArcGIS online will come in very handy too because basically you can send people a link you know you put together a story map mm-hmm. and you can send them a link and then they can just look at it right they don't actually have to have any software or anything themselves and so yeah and and truly um you know the, the power of gis is in the ability to visualize your data yeah it's one thing to look at a table yeah and it's totally another thing to be able to see that data visualized in in the context of your world. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's, it's, yeah, the more data we can get, the better, right? Like, I don't, I don't see how that. The more good data we get, the better. More good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, the whole shit in, shit out situation. <laughs> I've discussed that before as well. Yes. Yeah. 
No, you can't uh, you can't polish a turd, as I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the, the I, I'm going to have a, an episode here soon about remote sensing, specifically about where the technology is going and the specific uh, traits and, and what we can actually get from it, what we are getting from, it, what we're hoping to get from it, and hopefully that'll will we'll clear up. Uh, people will start to understand and maybe some people will come in from the outside, have a different perspective and give us some ideas on some of the applications. Right. Cause like you said, I think the applications are endless for, for, for remote sensing and, and, and GIS. Cause it just, it, it can't hurt to have better models. Right. No, no. I mean, and uh, although we always have to keep in mind that all this is forest inventory, it's just a model. Yeah, right? yeah. The truth is actually out there on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. For sure. <laughs> That's that's the thing. You always got to double check. You always got to make sure that what you're doing is yes. relative to yeah the real world. Absolutely, yeah. And that's where I think that you know, given my background, I can bring those two things together. Yeah. You know, because I do have a lot of field experience. Not much of it is recent, but then again, <laughs> forests don't change that much either. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're slow. Yeah, no, it's moving slower than we do. That's for sure. <laughs> so I guess you kind of you kind of answered already one of my my, my uh, last questions that I had for you actually was. Uh, one of the last questions. Um, what do you see as like a really positive and encouraging thing about the forest industry? Because and you spoke lots about talking about how we've moved from a a timber values approach to a holistic approach, and 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 the data that's being involved and the data keeps getting better. So I I don't know if you have anything else further to say on that, but you kind of just talked about that for ten minutes. So <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know. Well, one thing that I'm encouraged with a lot of uh, younger people who are graduating from university and technical school now is that they come with uh, GIS skills, right? which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I know not all of my colleagues agree with me, but <laughs> you know, my opinion is, is that uh, we've got all the technology and data that uh, at your data at your fingertips, mm-hmm. which is quite a bit different than when I started and we would spend 80% of our time fixing the data yeah. just so we could use it. Yeah. And then we'd only have to be able to devote 20% of our time to actually doing something with it, right? And now that now everything is just right there. And I I um, really have no time for people who tell me that they don't have time to learn ArcGIS. Right. And the people that, if they don't learn it, like if they don't know it, they don't know how to use it, then they're almost definitely using the data, Right, some form oh, of it, yes, one way are, or another. Yes. Like that's what drives all the forest management, right? It comes from that data. So without it, we're just walking around in the bush, picking trees. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, yeah, like I said, I, I just think it's an interesting time for in, uh, forest inventory, enhanced forest inventory in the country, and um, I hope that. I guess maybe just like a comment on being a woman in forestry. I hope that part of my legacy will be that I have uh, made it easier for other women to come into forestry mm-hmm. by being an example of, uh, you know, yes, I can do the work. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I th- that, that's what I mean. Like, I think it's, it's almost definitely you've, you've, you've paved a path for, for younger generations, I would think. Right. Cause someone's gotta be the first and yeah. I think you were probably one of good, good people to do it because you're, you know, <laughs> stubborn and just push through. You're like, no, screw you. I can do whatever you can do and I'm going to do it better. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> well, those of my colleagues who are my age are still in the business 
they're all have basically the same personality. Yeah. 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 Well, I, that's what it took, right? So yes. hopefully hopefully there's different personalities that can that can make it now and that's not just the you know, not just the stubborn ones, but you know, <laughs> stubborn is good sometimes. <laughs> um what do you see as uh if you could give some advice to to women maybe entering the the industry today, do you have anything specific you'd want to tell them? It's a tough one. Yeah, it is because I mean, I I guess in the past I've you know there's some things I could have said that, um, but I you know I hope that they don't have to put up with the same stuff that I had to put up with. You can swear in many it's cases. okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's just a, you know when when you called or emailed me and asked about doing this, you know, it made me think about. Uh, stuff in the past and some of the experience that I've had, some of them less than positive. You know, I I admit there is sometimes when I was on fires and I and I was like a sector boss and I was afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, but so are, so are the men though. I would, like it's not that's not a woman. <laughs> well, thing. I think you're probably I'm afraid of different things. Okay. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so and um, and a lot of it it's about strategies, like mm-hmm. being able to have some strategies to cope with and deal with um, some things that you might mm-hmm. run into. Um, have a pretty sharp tongue. And so that's kind of useful sometimes too, <laughs> putting people in their place. I wonder if that's something you can learn, if that's a skill or is that, or is that just a, a, something you're born with? Well, I think, <laughs> I think you, I think as you get more confidence. Yeah. I would know, agree. Yeah. Yeah. You can get away with things maybe that you couldn't get away with before, but but I, I guess, you know, the thing is that you, you know, you've graduated from technical school or uh, university. You have the same educational background mm-hmm. as your male counterparts. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and show that you can do the work. Yeah. 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 Hopefully, I, for me, at least, I, I, I feel like it's it's a lot better. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of a lot of lack of opportunity there, but I, how the hell am I supposed to know? Right. Like I have no idea. I have no frame of reference for this. So, um, yeah, I'll have to have somebody else on, uh, from a newer generation that's just coming up and, and maybe exactly. ask them what kind of things they ran into. Right. Cause that's the only way we can really find out. I suppose. Yeah. So, so no, it, it, uh, like I said, I, I would hope that they didn't have the same or aren't having the same, some of the same experiences that I've had. Yeah. Well, 33 applications, I'm still blown away by that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, so, I know, and and you know, I I don't understand. I think if I'd been a guy, I would have quit. Yeah, before that. So but I, when you say thirty, so you applied thirty three times for the same place or thirty three no, different places? Thirty three different places. That's insane. And you only got one. Yeah. Bite. Wow. Well, hopefully <laughs> things are not that way anymore. And I don't think they are. I think like, yeah, the people that I know, I'm pretty sure they got. They had the same return I, phone calls and stuff that like, would, regardless of gender, I don't I would, remember. I would hope that they would. Yeah, I would and think so. This day and age, you can't really get away with that stuff no, anymore. No, exactly. And, <laughs> and certainly, um, you know, I mean, I, I've interviewed many people for positions. Yeah. And uh, there's no discrimination that way. No. It's whether or not you can do the job. Can you do the job, yes or no? That's yes. all that matters. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes when I hire people, it's not even can you do the job mm-hmm. right now? Is this, can I, do I think that you could do the job? Yeah. Do you have the capacity? Do to, you have the to capacity? Yeah. Well, and, and probably one of the skills that I value the most in an employee is inquisitiveness. Mm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Are people inquisitive enough to figure things out on their own? You know, go talk to people when they need to. Mm-hmm. Go do go do some research. Yeah. You know, that's what, those are the sorts of skills that I would look for in a person. And I think if you can be inquisitive all your life, yeah, I think you're set up pretty yeah. well for success. I would agree. I was I was talking to somebody today about uh, about learning and continuing to learn. And just coincidentally, and I was saying, yeah, like the the minute you stop learning is the minute you become irrelevant because you just, you be all of a sudden you start, you slowly start receding into bigotry yeah, one way or another, right? We don't know where that's going, but like as soon as you stop learning and you shut yourself off to the world, then that's it. No, I've been a big advocate, big advocate for continuing competency and, you know, continuous learning mm-hmm. um, my whole life. And, and it, in fact, uh, when I was on the the board college, um, you know, that was my portfolio. And so the continuing competency program reflects a lot of the work that I put into it. Right. I currently have that puts a lot of, I said, reflects a lot of the work that I put into it. And, um, you know, my time with CF, CIF uh, doing tech sessions. Yeah. You know, setting those up. Yeah. And I got the... Uh, presidential award from CIF in 2009 mm-hmm. for that work. Yeah. So I said, I'm a big believer in continuing competency and continuous learning. Yeah, you're right to be. I mean, that's, uh, but but I would agree 100%. Like, you, you can tell right away somebody who is, who's constantly asking questions and constantly being inquisitive and, and intrigued by something. They're the ones that are going to succeed in this life because they're the ones that are going the extra mile or the ones that are yes. putting in the effort and they're, they're trying to fix things for the better. Right. So no, I, I can't agree more. Absolutely. No, that's perfect. Um, do you have any final thoughts regarding forestry or, or where we're going or where we've been or women in forestry or anything else before we shut this down? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess you know specifically to women in forestry, it mm. it it is heartening to see so many young women in yeah, forestry. Absolutely, and um, I think you know going forward, um, in particular, if you're not a lot of the skills that we you need to do forestry today don't include physical strength or anything like that. And what it really takes is brains, yeah. right? Yeah, and so. Um, there's no, there was no reason for women not to succeed. No, absolutely. I, I, I'm reminded of a, a situation my sister texted me about about a month ago. She, she texted me and she said uh, she was trying to get some permission from a landowner for something. I don't remember specifics, and uh, <laughs> she uh, she told her her co-workers right like oh i need to go do this and they said oh good luck like that guy there's no chance in hell like yeah right we've tried blah 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 right like it's not gonna happen right and i guess i <laughs> she she texted me later she's like i got it i got it screw those guys right and i was like are you gonna walk right in there and slap the piece of paper on their desk see i told you so right but no absolutely i would agree 100 percent. it's forestry is not a it's it's not a chopping wood game you know what i mean like it has nothing to do with physical strength it has to do with mental fortitude and and, and being able to think outside the box exactly and, and, and just do the right thing regardless of what the specs are right or regardless of what the regulation is yeah. just making sure that you're doing the right thing for i guess when you really think about it you're doing the right thing for future generations that's likely going to be the right decision yes i would think right so yeah no that's awesome 
Well, thanks a lot for coming on. This is perfect. We talked about a lot of stuff. I was I was kind of wondering where we we're going to go with this. So I'm like, this is this is new to me. So yeah, I'm glad it went. Well, I could tell you many funny stories about me being in a woman in forestry, but well, you, you want to take a stab at it, or you're just sort of steer, <laughs> well, actually, steer clear of it? When I, was, I was thinking about when you said your sister, you know, when your mom and your sister. So one of my friends in uh, when I was at university, and we did a lot of work together. She was a, a former tech like myself, and um, but she was a single mother. Yeah, and I used to go to her house to do homework all the time. And um, one time I said to her, I said, Adam, so do you want to grow up to be a forester like your mom? And he goes, that's a girl's job. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about it in the context that all you'd ever seen is is his mom and all her women friends, right? So he had a totally different view of That's perfect. (laughs) That works for me, right? I'm okay with that. Yeah, why not? Let's let's just leave it at that. Yeah, start teaching that in schools. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, it's... uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to try to find somebody else to, come, to bring on someone or maybe a couple of people from, uh, yeah, the younger generation and ask them what's... Ask your sister. We'll see if Sarah wants to come on or not. I don't know. Sarah, are you going to come on? Come on. Everybody bother her. <laughs> but uh, there's, yeah, there's, I, have, I, have, I have quite a few friends that I'm going to reach out to and see if I can get their... Uh, get them to go on record. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but uh, like I've, I, I haven't heard... Even even growing up with like with my mom and stuff like that, I don't remember ever hearing anything negative about that. But I, I'm sure her herself has some stories she. Can I'm tell. sure she has some stories she yeah. can tell you. Yeah. So, well, this was uh, like I said, it wasn't too hard. We were we we're working up on forty five minutes, fifteen oh, minutes. Really? So it goes by quick. Oh yeah. That's what I said. You said if I have enough stuff to say, you have plenty to say, Bev. Just <laughs> give yourself a break. Relax. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So. Um, yeah, that's yeah, it. thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. This is perfect. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can uh, shoot me an email at yourforestpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, also Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't like Twitter, but Instagram, Facebook for sure. LinkedIn, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, yeah, reach out. I can get your questions answered. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So thanks a lot for listening. We will catch you guys next time.